Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. The very best of last week's rugby coaching webinars and podcasts, reviewed by host Phil Flewellyn and his special guests. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Roundup Rodeo. I'm your host, Phil Llewellyn. Thank you for joining us for season two as we continue to delve into the world of sports coaching. My guests will be presenting their key learnings from a piece of content of their choosing and we then discuss its application. As always, I'm delighted to have three excellent individuals join me this week. So if you'd like to introduce yourselves and tell us your current role. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm Sandro Ferino. I'm the head coach of the women's national 15s team for Canada and I'm also the lead coach for the uh, Rugby Canada Academy here in Toronto. My name is Jack Enrati. I'm uh, the technical director with Rugby Nova Scotia, as well as the under-20 women's head coach for Canada. Hi, Phil. Graham Moffat, uh, director of rugby for Rugby Alberta, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> Wonderful. Gents, absolute pleasure to have you on. Real Canadian connection, although we've got a Scotsman and Irishman in there, so that that probably sums up a little bit of Canada in some ways. Um, but no, absolute pleasure to have you on. Excited to see uh, what we're going to talk about and what we delve into. Before we get started, just a reminder for anyone listening to check out the blurb for links to all the content we discuss and recommendations to other high quality podcasts. So Sandro, we are coming to you first. What is it you're going to be talking to us about? Yeah, so we're just going to talk about uh, one of the TED Talks that I just recently watched, um, Brett Letterbetter. Um, and he talks about the inner coach focusing on three things, really the inner voice and how it helps you or breaks you down. Awesome. Do you tell us a little bit more about that? So what, what does he mean when he talks about the inner voice? What does he, what's yeah. his theory? So he talks about really when you're looking at it, it uh, he looks at the three parts of, he breaks down in three parts and focusing on, you know, as a coach, you, you're, you're looking at the results or the process or the character and and really how you talk to yourself through those processes. So you find yourself many times, um, you know, thinking about the, you know, in those moments, what, what is really going on in your, in your mind and what are you saying to yourself? And, um, you know, in the video, you can see it's highlighted by a few of uh, some great coaches in the basketball world. So there's a lot of reference points um, to real life situations. Awesome. How how did you find that in terms of relating to your to your coaching as an experienced coach at you know international level? What have, what kind of work have you done with that? Was that a new thing for you? Or yeah, when I look at it, it's really about confirmation or clarification on on what you're doing. I think during COVID, we're listening to our inner voice a lot, right? And there's a lot of conversations that you're having with yourself. And really, like for myself, I'm looking at preparing for a World Cup. Uh, you know, it's about eight months away and, and we're really working with athletes that are remote. So I'm, you know, at the end of the day, you are focused on possibly the result, but from our standpoint is how can you improve the process, right? And those behaviors around that process and really the measurement of effort is, comes down to character, right? And some people might call it character, others might call it behaviors, but those are the key elements that, you know, we're looking at to, to get that one or 2% better when you're in isolation, right? A lot of our athletes are training on their own. So there's a sense of being comfortable or being uncomfortable in those moments. So, you know, is that inner voice being positive? It's encouraging you during these difficult times or is it breaking you down? So those are the things that we try to work with in our athletes and myself at the same time. How have you actually gone about doing that? How did they take to, to that kind of development process, I guess, of, of number one, recognizing it's there, but then also actually trying to assess, is it a positive? Is it a negative? How do I shift it from a negative to a positive if it is? Yeah, I think it's around? about the environment that you're in, right? So we have two groupings of athletes right now. Um, we have about 20, 25 players playing overseas. So they're either in the premiership or in France and they're in a, in a different environment. So they might have a bit more support. They have players, coaches around them. Uh, really focusing on, on the behaviors and the process of, of getting better. And then we have some athletes that are, are training in isolation. So they're, you know, might working an eight to five job. They might be a student, they might not have the same resources. So what we've decided, you know, to provide them is a virtual support system, right? Where players can connect, they can collaborate and be creative. And really that, that's where 
you know, we, we might have weekly calls where the athletes are meeting in their subunits or we're meeting as a team and really fighting to stay connected with each other. And I think that really helps that inner voice, right? We've invested in mental performance. Uh, we've hired, uh, you know, uh, Dr. Summer Christie to come on board and she's been really working hard with the athletes um, on educating them on, on these processes during these difficult times. How, how yeah, uh, how the athletes find that? I'm always interested when, appreciating that kind of, you know, that elite performance level, it's probably more common, but that sports psych thing, from my experience, players can start to get a bit, oh, I don't need someone in my head. I, I don't, you know, I'm comfortable. I've got here myself. I don't need that, that kind of um, anyone tinkering with something or, or opening doors that I don't want to open. So how was, how was that kind of relationship developed? How have they dealt with them? Um, with, uh, I think it's been pretty receptive, to be honest. I think during these times, people are, feel the sense of vulnerability and have an opportunity to open up. And really, from our standpoint, it's just providing some tools in the toolbox. Like you said, like if you're focusing on the body, mind, or craft, like we spend a lot of time on you know, getting bigger, stronger, faster conditioning, getting in the gym. And then on the craft, we spend you know, lots of time as yourself as a coach, we're working on skill development, tactical understanding, but we really don't invest um, in building those skills and the mental skills so that's what we're trying to do is, is build that portfolio and that toolbox where you know during these difficult times players can have an opportunity to develop some of these skill sets so that when we do get back out in the field they've had an opportunity to make that part of their daily training environment so that's key for us right now is just an opportunity for athletes to be receptive to that and, and maximize the resources that we're putting out there for them that's awesome i i always loved um Ireland rugby used to use the term mind gym because players had a mindset of they would go to the physical gym, but actually, you know, you check in at your mind gym and it just became something a little bit more tangible than sports psych as a, as a very probably, you know, general term that some people wouldn't understand, but actually them doing even five, 10, you know, 20 minutes of I, I'm in the mind gym. This is what I'm working on. I always thought it was quite a nice analogy to you. So. Yeah, well, I think one of the advantages is that from my standpoint as a coach is being vulnerable myself, having an understanding that, you know, I don't specialize in the body, I do specialize in the craft, but bringing someone in who does specialize on the mind, it alleviates some of that um, stress on my part to try to deliver that material, having a strong uh, understanding um, with summer on, on key areas that we want to work on really helps me to sit back and actually use some of the tools myself, right? And in, in trial and error. And that's what we talk about with, you know, the group with Jack or Graham. It's, it's an opportunity right now uh, during COVID, during these challenging times is, is to experiment with some of these tools and really lean on some subject matter experts to maximize that. Because as you said, like you try to, as a coach, as a head coach yourself, you try to juggle too many pillars and then you don't really, um, you know, you become a generalist of, of many things, right? Yeah, no, definitely agree. Um, I'll open this up. So general question to all three of you guys. It, it was interesting in uh, the TED Talk how Brett talked about moving away from kind of explicit goal setting because it's very much around the outcome. So I'm intrigued in, in terms of all of your coaching experiences. Uh, would you have always been process focused people? Have you have you shifted? Is it still outcome? You know, kind of what's, what's your guys take on the process I don't like the term versus. You can't have one without the other. But but what's the interaction between the two? Do you guys think? I can build off of that, and really, I can look at when I first started coaching. I think it's it's similar to many. You you transition from a player, and you're really excited about I think tactics, right? Maybe you know focusing on the X's and O's, putting people in places, looking for opportunities, and really trying to. You are a somewhat focused result. I think. From my standpoint, I didn't really have a true understanding of myself as a coach, maybe until my 40s, like 15, 15 years into it, that it's not about the results. But you, you have this in your back of your mind, like, I need to prove myself. I need to go out there and, and win games. But, you know, when you look at it now, it is really about the people, right? You're, you're building, you know, strong relationships with people. You're building the, the characteristics and the behaviors. And from my standpoint, we're driving the effort piece in, in the women's game in the 15s we need to focus on the non-skilled require actions in the game and those will slowly start building up and then you get the results right so it's kind of uh it's gone 360 to be honest in, in the way i've approached coaching 
and I think I think the pursuit is is probably something that's that's different. And, and I know a lot of uh, the listeners feel there's, there's it goes all over for you. It's community game, and it, and it might go all the way up to to some possible people working in academies or professional game. But knowing the pursuit is massive. So for me, I think I think learning the hard way over the years, um, we have to understand what the pursuit is for 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 coach, staff, and players, and um, no matter what level that is, and then. Um, what's their purpose like what's their why 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 do they go down there is it is it because they enjoy connecting with teammates is it because they love lifting a trophy at the end of the year um or is it because they want to progress in, in their sport and and then the process for me so so i'm i'm kind of a pursued purpose and process and i, I think i learned a bit of that from um a good canadian who's who's traveled pretty well wade gilbert um has, has done uh so much work and he's got some incredible books and and you can listen to him on a lot of podcasts out there and, and i know he's traveled around but for me just sitting there um understanding um the the three p's was a was a, i think a big realization for me and 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 hopefully that it'll it'll keep getting better as we go through i'm, I'm just gonna jump in before moff answers as well but so on that do you think there is potential for someone to manipulate that so if i'm the coach and i let's say i'm not necessarily honest with myself or my group to steer that conversation in a way that means it does become outcome focused and i'm i'm kind of inferring stuff on on the program or the players so how do you counter that potential i'm thinking kind of community-based there will be lots of coaches we, we see it on social media all the time we see it on the touchline that genuinely think it's a world cup final on a on a sunday morning and everything else and i'm, and I'm just thinking actually is it on organizations to stipulate a little bit more quite clearly that that this is the desired outcomes because i do think in in some way if we just leave it up to coaches there'll be some great ones that do a great job with it but there's always going to be some poor ones and I'm, I'm thinking how we kind of mitigate the risk of of those yeah I, I, for me i i don't think um that it's up to the organization to to throw down uh what the pursuit is uh essentially to to just go back to what i was just speaking there but i think it's it's <laughs> it's humane like if, if a coach is is goes through uh, this sort of activity where you find out what everybody's um, purpose is for being involved, then I think that um, that will, will limit those opportunities of being on the sideline and, and shouting towards their outcome. Because once one, if it's, if it's unnamed or if it's just, if it's driven by the, by the club or the community organization that says, listen, we're all about equal participation and we, 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 we really don't care about the actual outcome. We're equal playing time, etc. cetera. Um, if, if you feel that's being dictated for, the coach has that ability to manipulate what he believes or what she believes the players want, in my opinion. But if you if it comes down from the from the club or from the community organization, say, listen, go about it whatever way you want to, but you have to find out the purpose of of each individual in your group. Because for me, then when you when you take that, it's much harder to go against that when you've when you've named it, when you've read it, when you've heard it from the actual uh, from your actual players yourself. I really like that. Uh, yeah, I think it's a solution. I think that that cuts across that really nicely. Spot on, Moff. What about you? Yeah, good answer, Jack. I like it. Um, yeah, I think it's it's defining what your goal, what your outcome is, and then really just trying to delve into the you know, the, the, the discovery really of the coach, you know, what's the three great questions always, you know, why do you coach? Why do you coach the way you coach? And what's it like to be coached by you? And I think for me, that, that kind of uh, delves into learning a bit more around the coach. I think we've all probably been selfish when we start coaching. It is about the outcome because we generally have our whole identity wrapped up in us as a coach and our success as a coach in terms of X's and O's. Um, you know, determines a lot of who we are as a person, you know, and I think that's because we generally define who we are based on the positions that we hold. It's like, oh, Moff the rugby coach or, you know, Moff the, the gym goer or whatever it is, you know what I mean? It's just we def- our whole identity gets wrapped up in terms of who we, who we are and, uh, you know, what we do, not who we are. And I think it's like, how do we really discover you know, who we are, why do we do what we do? I think that's, uh, that for me is much more important, but I think we all probably start out being a bit outcome focused in the beginning. Um, and yeah, we talk about our process and that's because that's the only bit we can really control. 
you know, as, as when we delve into our coaching process or, you know, the, or, or our style of leadership, whatever it is. But for me, it's getting really comfortable in our own skin and why we're doing what we're doing, why we're working in a, in a particular program. You know, is it, are you trying to get onto a national age grade team because that's your pathway into the next, into your, your senior national team? And then just changing the, the, the perspective from uh, selfish to selfless and knowing that and if we can really help other people be successful, then that should become our yardstick. And the more that that's our yardstick, then, you know, what we deem to be success, I think the better we'll be. I love that. Um, just for the benefit of the tape, when you said Moff, the gym goer, both both the other guys had a bit of a smirk or a smile. So I don't know what that says, mate. I think you're in great shape. So you know, I can't believe that it's lasted seven minutes. And, and that's the first time that he introduced himself as a guy who, who goes to the gym and works out and lasts weight. It's it's incredible. He's awesome. It got exactly the, it got exactly the reaction I thought it might. So that was perfect. So just just on that, I, I, I yeah, kind of knowing yourself as a coach, I, I hate the societal bit now that everything's a hack and everything's a shortcut. I don't think there is one, but if if you guys had advice for coaches, because I think we all probably admit it, it takes time, but if you are trying to accelerate that process, what would your best advice be for a new coach? just to understand themselves a little bit better. So we, you know, talk about how we coach or how we, we operate as an individual. What, what would your thoughts be around how, how people that want to delve into that a little bit more could go about that effectively? It's a good question, Phil. That is all stumped there. I, I think, you know, like I, I've coached for, you know, probably coming up to 20 years now. And I think um, I probably was guilty of taking on the identity of coaches that I liked. So when I was in Scotland, I was fortunate to, you know, my boss at the college, I taught I was amazing. And she freed up my timetable so I could spend one day a week with Edinburgh Rugby. You know, so at the time, Rob Moffat was coaching there, who I've got so much respect for, and he's helped me massively in my journey. But, you know, you would take on particular traits of him, you know, but they worked for him. Or you'd maybe go and see another coach coach. So you start taking on, you know, traits of, you know, of him or her, instead of actually just probably taking time to go, you know, who am I? You know, what are my values? What's important to me as a human being, as a person? Because that's what's going to come through, you know, and it's like really establishing or becoming a better character. And I think, you know, another plug for Wade Gilbert, you know, you've got your four C's of byproduct of quality coaching, you know, connection, uh, culture, sorry, connection, um, competence, confidence, and character. And let's just become a really good character because that's what's going to stand you through, really. You know, we uh, in traditional employment, we generally hire somebody based on their, their CV or their resume, but then we would always fire them on a character flaw. So, like, how do you just become a good character? Because that's where it's going to make an impact. It's probably the bit I got wrong. I think, I think to kind of follow on with that, um, yeah, I, th I think for me, there was a time where you're almost your it's a it, it's a, a cookie cutter approach sometimes to, to coaching it's it's a there's a copy and paste sort of coaching and it and it changes all the time with whatever it is is kind of in fashion with with anything but for me it would probably be like what what's different for you in your personality like you you, you what's what's something that your family members like about you or something that your friends like about you or something that you like about yourself and and don't hide it away from your coaching like um i have tons of energy uh, and no matter no matter where it is and i and i try and uh bring that into my training sessions and if i don't show my energy in my training sessions i'm, I'm not being myself and i'm and, and i'm not fully buying into what i what i want to put out in a, in a negative point of view i remember that uh early on you know you know, I've changed so well. I haven't done this in actually the last year, but sometimes I would question a referee's call on a sideline. Uh, but it, it wasn't because, and I haven't done the last year because I also haven't been involved in a game in a, in a year. Uh, but it, it, it's not because that's what I wanted to do. It was because I'm just, my energy and enthusiasm would be on game day, would be pushed into different ways. So I realized that this was a bit of a, now I haven't improved this, I, but I realized that this was a character flaw of mine and it's not something that I wanted the players to take on. So the big thing that I would do is I address it with the players and say, let me explain to you who you're going to meet tomorrow. So tomorrow during the game, 
there might be a, a, a enthusiastic, energetic, but completely irrational person on the sideline. And I don't know why I do it, but it's because I really get into the game and I'm not playing alongside you guys. And I think for me, as soon as I named it, and as soon as, soon as I was able to um, explain to the players that it, it, and saying it to them prior to it might happening, that it's completely irrational. I think they didn't buy into it. They, they actually understood and, and appreciated being, I suppose, open about something that's a character flaw and something that's not um, something that I'm, I'm very proud of or enjoy. And since then, what I do is I remove, I, if, if I can't be great close to the action, I'd remove myself. If I, the further away I am, the better I am. Uh, and, I, and, and again, that, that I tell the players that, hey, this is one thing, this is a character flaw of mine. This is one thing that I don't do particularly well. I'm after making myself sound like an absolute crazy person now i've just realized but it's just i think it's just being being open and, and identifying the person that you are and 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 not actually becoming that cookie cutter cookie cutter uh, coach that that we read about or, or see online do you think uh, they were learned behaviors jack oh good old math. like yeah absolutely uh, and i and i think maybe i picked it up from somebody else and i passed it through absolutely so it is, I guess, the work on there, actually just tying this back into the inner voice stuff, is is working to control that inner voice to be a little bit calmer or a little bit, you know, more removed or, or just manage that that side of you, I guess, then, isn't it? Which is, yeah, that ties in really nicely. It's, I, I the best, I think I've talked about this before on one of the episodes, but um, Jeff Moon, who was just a, a phenomenal bloke um, and tragically gone too soon. But he best advice he ever gave me was he just said, you can look at touchlines and just work out who the frustrated player is, because they're they're the ones that are jumping up and down and have, and have got all that kind of excess energy that they're, they're living and breathing the game. Whereas I, I always just thought, actually, yeah, being a little bit more removed from that is probably going to be more beneficial from a coaching perspective. And it, it's always kind of rung true. And that's not to say it's a criticism, but it, it was just a really nice explanation of of actually how some people still live the game, even though they are coaches. I mean, I can build off of that said, like, you know, where Jack thinks he looks at it as a work on, I look at it as a strength for him. Right. And he's part of my coaching staff and that energy that I might not have as a coach. Um, he supplements that in, in our coaching environment. And really from that standpoint, if there's any shortcuts, I would say play to your strengths, right? Really build and continue to focus on those. And then be confident that you can empower others to play to the areas that you're not as good as as a coach. So it might be a technical or a tactical, it might be player management, might be giving feedback. And then that really evolves then down to the players, right? That empowerment piece. Um, because I think in, in, in your environment, the more people that you have engaged, the more eyes you have on it, uh, the, the more opportunities there are for growth and learning. So I think from my standpoint, when I hear those, you know, Moff and, and Jack talk about those areas, it, it is somewhat a strength for them. And, and you think you need to have that in your environment as a coach, because um, you, you can only wear so many hats, right? Yeah, definitely. That, that's the challenge, isn't it? When you try to be all things to all people, actually, who who do you end up being? So, yeah, no, completely. Uh, cool. Right. We are going to move it on. Jack, we are coming to you. What is it that you are going to be discussing? I think following on from Sandro's point there, a quote from what I'll be discussing was, I never went to Harvard, uh, but I employed a lot of people who did. Um, and what I'm looking at today is... Um, the test, uh, the Amazon documentary, um, which was, I think during COVID, we uh, we all got in, in totally engrossed with um, <laughs> the the Bulls and uh, their their fight on Netflix to 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 be the the, the greatest um, basketball team of all time. And I think we all, no matter if you're involved in sport, I think everybody buys into because it's so hard. And I, I listened to this in one of your one of your uh, last shows, Phil, is uh, one of your guests did say that it's not that common to get, to be shown inside a, a high performance uh, area. You see the press conferences and you, you'll see the product on game day, but you don't see the, 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 the inside and out. And I think that's what um, everyone has completely loved about um, the RFU's new initiative over the last couple of years of, of showing us training sessions and, and building in. And I, I know it's something that I enjoy watching all the time. 
the the reason why uh, I'm I'm talking about this is I'm I'm not a good reader uh, and I have a certain suffer with my dyslexia a lot in terms of researching and um, uh, I I always I, I've always tried to be like other people and read books and try and improve in that way uh, but I, I've never been able to do it it's not how I learn it's not how I, I get better and um, so instead of um, really trying to force myself to do something I'm not comfortable with I've moved on to the kind of some audio books or, or podcasts but for me it's a it's a visual thing and uh, I learned most from 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 visual and the test was is it, about for those of you that don't know it's about a um the, the Australian cricket team after what was probably the the one of the biggest um controversies in in cricket and I'm not a cricket guy uh, but it was one of the contra- biggest controversies in cricket where there was there was um, proven cheating from the from the from a couple of Australian captains, um, when they were in South Africa, and um, they hired a, a new coach who was a former player, and um, what the, the the cameras followed them through a, a, a year to two year journey of of trying to rebuild, um, the team, trying to rebuild players, and trying to rebuild trust in in terms of Australia. And really in, uh, embracing what what has always been their one of their number one sports. So um, it was incredible inside look, and and there's a couple of moments that really stood out for me. And and one of them was at the first press conference. Um, we had a kind of what was the the big targets of of um, of the new regime, and the big thing was um, being not just developing cricketers, but but developing good people. And good Australians, and uh, for me, at the, at the highest level of, of highest sport, for that to be a priority, and not only a priority in a in a press conference, but it was um, it was a priority clearly throughout. It was something that I think we can resonate through to not only all levels of sport, but all levels of community at the moment. I think it was awesome. Uh, I definitely think it was a initially a sales piece to to get you know the Aussies back on back on side and, and show them the inner workings but I think it, it probably ended up being so much more than that which is why it was so powerful so just, just to pick up on that last point mate so in terms of you say it, it's really good to see making good people prevalent in an elite sports environment how do we keep that how do we maintain that because my cynicism would say they're saying that because they've hit rock bottom and because no one trusts them and because they got everything wrong. And outside of the All Blacks, I guess, and, and that has probably been, you know, um, publicly shifted a little bit around, you know, good people make good All Blacks. They seem to be able to maintain that bar, bar a, a few exceptions. And I think it's a wonderful thing to hear, but I wonder when the pressure comes on and in three or four years in an Ashes tour or whatever it's going to be, how do we maintain that? And I say we as a, a you know sport in general, because I think we see it crumble away all the time. It's a really nice thing to say, but actually, is it is it something that can be maintained? And how, if that was you, how would you go about doing that? There's a couple of moments in the um, throughout the documentary where, because again, I, I think you're right. Like it's a press conference. It's the first thing they're trying to take a few boxes and, and, and get a little bit of people on side. But the little things for me that, that proved that it was important to them was, I, I think there was one of the players um, during, like in the middle of the documentary said, uh, you have to be yourself in your environment or in our environment because it's too tiring to be somebody else. And for me, that was just, that was such a, a great quote there and, and, it was it was it was something that bought into that 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 first uh, answer from Justin Langer in the first press conference, um, about like trying to build build good people. And there was little there was little moments in it when, um, they were describing other people, and they were describing the difference between friends and mates. That uh, like we the minimum standard is you have to be mates with with your teammates. You have to be in a place where you appreciate mates but friends is that you've actually made that connection and and you'd actually you know um connect outside of it and i think that came from the 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 good people piece and uh there there's moments where 
Justin Langer is, is, is talking about some of his players and said, God, they're just such weirdos. And, and he, he explained them in, in a very normal way um, that we would, he didn't, he didn't, um, he wasn't being the salesperson with every player that they're a fantastic human being. He was able to say that, no, 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 not my cup of tea, not, not the way it was. And there was a, there was a, a moment where one of the players was really um, treats himself well and uh, and loves his, his fancy coffee in the morning and, and gets up and spends a, a considerable amount of time uh, grinding his beans and putting the water over it and, and, and making sure that it's still at the right temperature and time. And, you know, um, just Langer's looking at him going, this is just not, this is not me whatsoever. But when he was walking onto the bus with his fancy coffee, just Langer stopped him and said, oh, can I, can I have a taste? Meaning that he, for me, that, that, that element of subtlety was, was tr- trying to generate a connection between them, but also saying is, although this isn't for me, I really appreciate your passion for this. And I really appreciate who you are as a person. And that was just, for me, that was just such a small thing to do on a bus, just a small subtlety. But, but for me, that was a complete action of of wanting to make sure that the the players are 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 comfortable and connected and also that he is concentrating on on them embracing who they are and in fact then moving on to be to actually not only embrace but obviously be be that outcome of 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 good people too uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. I, th- I think there's a huge amount in that. So that kind of leads me directly to my next question. And again, I'll open this up to all of you guys. How, who or how have you seen that best done? Because I, I do think we get to a little bit of a stage maybe where we see some of this stuff. And again, in our community clubs or in the, the environments we, we operate in, we kind of go you know, almost that cookie cutter thing that it, it's new and it's shiny and we want to try it, which I've, I, everybody does. And there's no criticism of that. But actually, what have you seen kind of that have been the most powerful ways or most effective ways of doing that? Playing the unreview game, I guess, right? Um, I'll step up. I think that's a great question. I don't, I think we, as Jack says, you fall in love with a cookie cutter, right? You look on, you watch the Bulls and you're like, oh, I want to do it that way. Or I watch Eddie Jones, I want to do it that way. But really it is about how you deliver it in, in your daily training environment and like how you parent or how you are a partner with, you know, with building relationships in, in your family. And those are the characteristics that I look at trying to build. And, you know, it's the relationship that you have with yourself or your relationship with your teammate. And, and those are the foundations. And, and that's what you should be bringing for myself. I like to bring that to the table when I'm in the coaching environment with, with my colleagues or I'm coaching with my athletes is, is to focus on those areas. So, you know, there's a lot of lists that we talked about, like, you know, you look at what is a, you know, a performance-based characteristics, it's hard work, competitive, being positive. And then you look at your morals, right? Am I unselfish? Am I honest, uh, respectful, accountable? And so those are the things that you try to build and then build some evidence. Because I think those are the things that resonate with me it's not about what I just saw on Netflix or what I just saw you know I heard on a podcast is what I deal with every day and those are the those are the moments you know like saying like you go back to it it's like being present being in the moment being vulnerable you know they might sound like catchy phrases right now but that's the reality of 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 what people see and what you want in return right yeah I think it's a it's a good point. I think it's it's what fits to your context, as Sandra just touched on there, because, you know, context is king. You know, I think I've probably been really guilty of maybe go and see something new and shiny and then go and implement it and haven't really considered whether it fits in, you know, uh, fits into the context of the environment that maybe I've coached in or worked in. I also think, though, too, is it's, you know, as you get more comfortable with yourself and I know, you know, I've been doing some coaching at a local university and I've been pretty candid and say, hey, I've never done this before. This is something I'm going to try. Are you game? Let's get at it. You know, and just being pretty candid, you know, it'll work. Sometimes it will and sometimes it won't. I know we tried one little practice, you know, which I thought, you know, in my head it made sense, but having witnessed it and going, oh, I need to tweak this. And then going back and not being afraid to go back to it two or three times before it start, we start to figure it out. I think far too often, and, you know, in the past for me, is you, I'd try something once. And then I'd throw the baby out with a bathwater and be like, oh, it didn't work. People like, actually, no, I'm going to persevere with this. And that's maybe come with a bit of maturity because I don't necessarily think I would have been like that, you know, all the time. I would have tried it once and then chucked it away. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's happened to all of us. We we go on, we see an activity on Twitter, which is which is eight seconds, and you go, "That's a brilliant activity. I'm going to bring that in my in my training session tonight." And you'll you'll take it. And and I I've certainly been uh, guilty of that. And I, so a little term that I created for myself was um, anything you take from from outside the environment. Our program is called the Celtics. You've got to give it the Celtics makeover before it's accepted in. So yeah context uh outcome what you're actually looking to achieve it's not just shiny and for me that that makeover it also is giving me a little bit of a just a pause just a, a break to actually have i taken the information have i thought about it have i thought it through and what am i looking to then put out instead of it's that it's that extra little halt um, that I think is is sometimes important for us when when we do see that kind of something shiny new. I know that we've all gone way off your question, Phil, but uh, we all joined up together. <laughs> no, 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 mate, this is the beauty of it. It's, it goes where it goes. So I, I think there's a few points in there that I'll come back to. So I, I love the, the tangible bit that Sandro talks about around the culture. I, again, I, th I think the game or, or sport has probably done that or let's all sit in a sit in a meeting room and, and draft some values and draft some, you know, whatever we're going to put up on the wall. And it just never moves beyond that. And, and that I, I feel like we talk about culture every week on here, but I, I do think it's massively important that people just get some help shifting beyond that to make it tangible, to make it something you live. And I, I love you were saying there, Sandra, about it's actually finding some examples of that in your in your daily work or your daily operating and and just constantly bring it back because i think the more you can make it live the the, the you know the better that's going to be the more successful it's going to be rather than that piece of oh with well we're three months in oh we've got to do our culture session again because I, and i that's where we lose people now i think on culture they just go nah like it's been done and it was shit so i'm not interested and and, and that really breaks me because i think we all know how important it can be but we just need to be probably better at, at doing yeah. that. I think um, we talked about this before uh, about building evidence and, and it relates back to the players and their current generation. And like you said, like how easy is it to put a video together and post it on TikTok or Instagram, right? That's the visual, that's the evidence, getting tagging players on it so that they feel like they belong. And really from my standpoint, that's the, that's the, how we deliver things because we always get fixated on the what like oh that from my standpoint is how do we do it differently or more effective so that we can communicate and connect with the athletes and i, I feel like yeah that those as jack said some of us are visual learners like, so let's put content on the walls in, in in the clubhouse of pictures from the club from the game on saturday not um some old boy or old girl from 20 years ago right let's reinforce the behaviors um, that we are, we've put our hand up to say like, these are the characteristics that are going to get us um, the result we want and, and build that into the culture daily. And I think that's something that I'm looking forward to doing is, is, is putting that out, um, out to the athletes and having them involved in that process too. It's, it's, it's great when the coach kind of does a one video, but it's even more effective when you have players taking the pictures. They're the ones that are uh, posting on social media and then, you know, they're driving the behavior. So I think that's something that I'm, I've learned through these last couple of months in COVID is, is, and it's, I'm excited to kind of implement that in the, in our training environment, when we get back together. It's almost a path of, path of least resistance with some of this type of stuff, isn't it? Find who's the keenest and just go, look, run with this. Like wherever it goes, you run with it. Cause you'll, you'll take more people with you than I could. And, and I, I quite like the, you know, I know some people don't like the term cultural architect, but I, I do think it makes sense if you then take that kind of building analogy a little bit further that actually the, a coach or a captain or whatever might be the architect, but you're going to need a carpenter and a plumber and a, and a brickie and those types of people to actually create it. And I, and I think, do we ever, I, I, you know, in hindsight now, I'm literally just sat thinking in places, have we ever got beyond the architectural plans? I don't think we have, because for me, that that was sat in the room just discussing it never actually nobody either took it on themselves or it wasn't built into the plan that then we would actually get the people to build it themselves and yeah and then it becomes the field of dreams doesn't it build it and they will come then you just there's it's just too powerful to stop then i guess so interesting Moff, yeah. i'm going to jump back to you quickly just around you said the perspective of the session you said you know you'll try something and then and then you know potentially throw it out 
is that just your reflections of that whatever it was working in the session because I can definitely think of examples where I've gone oh that was a really poor session and the players walk past they're like oh we love that it was really good and, and I'm always interested in you know wh where were you kind of making your judgment on why you would keep something or do it again or not yeah, it's a, it's a good question, Phil. I think for me, it was, you know, what, what was the maybe the, the purpose of why we were trying to do what we were doing? And then, you know, having implemented it once, I think my, my coaching's changed a bit now. I would probably be far too time detailed. I'm going to have three minutes on this and five minutes on this and seven minutes on this. Well, now I don't even keep a, a watch per se. So these are the things that we're going to work on throughout the session and we'll spend as much time on it as we need to. And so I think that shift has helped me. But then also then coming back at the end, you know, at the end of the session to revisit it again, say, okay, this wasn't brilliant at the beginning. Let's take five minutes now and let's walk through it. And then actually just asking the input of the players, hey, what do you think would make this better? Well, we think it's too small, the parameters that you set, if we made it maybe a touch bigger, we might, um, you know, we might experience some more success, you know, and then we'd try it. Okay, this worked really well. But then probably reinforcing it the, the immediate session after. So, okay, hey, we made these tweaks and we talked about making these tweaks yesterday. Now let's revisit it first thing tomorrow morning. And then I think when we've done that, that's, that's really helped. And then it goes on to become one of our, um, you know, one of our key or go-to activities or practices. But I think um, it's repetition. I've probably been really guilty in the past of trying to do too many new things a lot of the time where really we just need repetition of certain things. So one, we can get the comprehension, understanding of, you know, how maybe the activity works and then, but then understand the purpose of why we're doing it. So that's probably even probably a close and real life example I could probably give. Sando, did you want to jump in? Yeah, because it's I always go back to the game, right? The game's the teacher, and from my standpoint, when Moff's looking at you know it didn't work well, I'm like that's many times as a coach when we look at it and we're watching the game, like, that didn't go well in the game, but we still are getting to where we we need to go, right? And so it's, it's that self reflection, right? It's like we're always looking to stick to a pattern or we're always looking to stay to the game plan, but that's not what rugby is, right? We talk about unstructured, structured, and maybe having that mindset and like that inner coach voice, instead of saying, ah, uh, that was crap. No, that was, that was good. That was unstructured. Uh, it didn't go the way we wanted, but you know, I got feedback from the players. We've got some, some work ons and we're going to move forward. And I think from my standpoint, you know, I'd rather have, that opportunity to kind of have a learning experience in as in the in the in the daily training environment then rather to focus on no it has to be this way or it we're not moving forward right so i think that you know that's where i look at it from my perspective uh, yeah again i completely agree it's it's i can't remember where this came from but i've used it loads recently and I think it was a conversation, uh, we, we would definitely have this conversation in one of the Friday catch-ups was around success and failure not being alternate ends of a, of a continuum that they have to go hand in glove. You literally can't have one without the other, but we, but we look at failure as this, this potentially, or some people will look at failure as one end of the spectrum and, and it's this, this awful moment, but yet they want to be successful and you kind of go, well, how, once you start breaking it down, actually, how do you have one without the other? They just, it just can't happen. And I think coming back to, to those kind of understandings is, is going to be pretty crucial within that, isn't it? Cool. Right. Thinking, I'm just conscious of time. So, Moff, we are going to come to you. Uh, what is it that you're going to be looking at? Uh, yeah, I'd say I probably stumbled across this more by accident than intentionally. Uh, but the sports psych show, uh, Dan Abrahams, and it was episode number 117 with Dan Clements on collaborative action research uh, and coach development through appreciative inquiry. That's kind of, um, that was the, the podcast that I initially listened to which kind of really piqued my interest. Uh, as I said earlier, context is king. And I think it seemed to fit really well with where we were as a group of, uh, you know, as a group of coaches. Uh, and then obviously from there, kind of went on to, to read the journal as well that he'd written, uh, which I found pretty fascinating. And I think for us, probably the key, I would say the best part of my coach development at the moment is our Friday morning coffee club. 
you know, we there's a crowd of us, Jack, Sandro, Aaron, Pete, our, our group's expanded, Hubert's joined in there, Ryan Jones. But for us, it's probably the best part of the week because we get to actually, um, you know, we get to discuss and, and share around what we're, what we're doing, you know, what we're delivering on. And really, we've probably driven our own coach development, you know, and, and try to make it as applied as possible. And I think, um, you know, for, for, for me, it's it's become really good because we've driven it. I think we've maybe all potentially fallen into a trap of saying, oh, there's no opportunities, you know, there's not enough professional development opportunities, there's not enough coach education in Canada. Uh, yet for me, having this regular dialogue every Friday morning, uh, you know, collaborating with like-minded people that are trying to get better, um, you know, it's become pretty uh, pretty exciting, you know, particularly with Jack and Sandro as they prepare for the, you know, for the Rugby World Cup, um, you know, in, in New Zealand, that's been really good as to see how they're trying to build a programme. And ultimately, how do we, how do we, um, how do we hone our coaching skills? You know, and uh, we were, we were on a call last week, uh, Rusty joined us, and one of the key things I took away was, you know, when are you actually practising your coaching? We can't just go from maybe high performance environment to high performance environment. When do we actually get to get out and practice and and really uh, you really get really get better? So for me that was um, you know I thought some so much gold in it um, you know that I took away and in this you know um, in our example too I think we're all pretty ambitious to to make Canadian rugby better and um, you know we want to be better we want to offer better experiences something that we're really big on and then you know but ultimately coming up with our own solutions. Um, you know, and working collective, you know, collaboratively to improve the pathway in, in Canada for kind of male and female rugby. So uh, I think there's some really cool stuff going on. I think we've probably all been on a bit of a journey of uh, seeing things from a deficit position, you know, where we look for the bad in things and we try and fix it because it makes us feel good about ourselves and validates who we are instead of going to say, hey, what do they do really well? And I think collaboratively, we're, we're probably working in our strength zones. You know, we've hosted some different, you know, coaching webinars uh, you know, across the country. Tackle, I know he's been on here, phenomenal at some of the video work that he puts together, and and he adds a huge amount of value in that, you know, through that through that part of it. So that's uh, you know, some of the things that we looked at. Um, you know, I think too as well, a couple of things that stand out for me. Jack had his three Ps. Uh, I looked at this other model. You know, it's define, discovery, dream, design, deliver. Um, you know, which I really liked. And I think we're probably getting pretty good at the dreaming and, you know, what would the path look like if we look back in 15 years time? I thought that was pretty good. And then if you can design a world-class program, you know, what, what would it look like? What would be in it? And then how do you actually go about delivering it? Um, you know, I think, so that really, that really struck a chord to me. And then also just the, you know, the task um, with the target model as well that you references, I thought was pretty cool. So what's the task, the authority, recognition, grouping, evaluation, and timing, because there are things that we can do that have a direct impact on the player's uh, experience uh, in the sessions that we deliver. If they'll see us as the key driver in the motivational climate, then we need to make sure that, that we create the best possible environment and I think that's all we can really control is uh you know the environment that we can try and create so there are just a couple of things I could ramble on forever but I'll stop there no no, no that's that's great there's loads of unpicking that so I guess from from your perspective as the kind of director of uh, rugby organization has has COVID and your experiences of these coffee clubs has that changed how you would look at CPD, I guess, is the easiest way to describe it. But coach education, would you now be pushing far more of the informal stuff? And, and as I, I'm always, I'm always conscious. I don't know why people expect so much from governing bodies from a coach education perspective, and I, I, I don't know whether that is that should be right, and they should be seen to be doing whatever they're doing. But then all I ever hear most of the time is people then complain about what they do or don't do anyway. So I'm, I'm just not sure. Do we need to own this way more as coaches? And actually, it's, it should have less to do with a, a formal structure from a governing body or an organisation. Like, what, what, like, yeah, where, where are your thoughts around that at the moment? Yeah, I think you said some pretty good stuff there, Phil. And it's absolutely right. You know, we've in Canada, we've got Jackie Titley, who's doing some amazing work. But she's in charge of training and education as one person in the whole country. You know, I know in Alberta, where I live, you can fit the UK into it three times over. You know, never mind to one person trying to navigate and look after the whole country. It's probably no different than when, you know, you give a, you're given autonomy to players within a session, you know, or, or to drive a culture. You talked about who's the culture architects within your organization or in your, within your team. I think, you know, the, the, the more autonomy they have, the more invested they are. So why would we not as coaches have a similar mindset and to invest in our future as coaches and investing in our development? So um, I, I know I'm far more invested now because I'm 
working with like-minded people that are challenging and sharing their thoughts and sharing their perspectives. And I think too, as well with the informal, you know, CPD, we might listen to somebody and go, gee, that was really interesting. I wouldn't mind learning more about that. And then we reach out to them and say, hey, can you join us on our Friday Coffee Club? We'd love to ask you some questions. And I think the, the informal education has been phenomenal. The biggest challenge for me, though, was how did I go and apply this knowledge that I've been learning? You know, and I was joking when I did my first session back, I'm like, this is going to be a disaster. I've learned all this stuff in the last five months. Now the restrictions have opened up. Um, how do I stay calm and not puke on the, you know, on the team I'm going to coach with everything I've tried to learn and put it into a 45 minute or 50 minute session? So I think, yeah, 100%, the more I would be a huge component and believer in the, uh, you know, informal. I think the biggest challenge in Canada is that, um, and I'm not, not seeing this from a deficit lens, that there's some incredibly educated, well-educated people and, and education's held in such a high regard, but it seems to be all, a lot of it's based on certification, not qualification. So that's a big gap, you know, for me. Okay, so somebody might be certified, but are they suitably qualified to be in the position that they're in? And that's probably the, however we figure that out, uh, <laughs> or if we do ever figure that out, that could be, that could help us. I, th I think, Phil, just on the, on the education piece, and I'd echo the sentiments in terms of the, the coffee club, it's just been a, sometimes you leave ready to go, and sometimes you leave going, man, I, I'm really behind these guys. But it's, but it, it's, it's keeping that conversation going for me, and on a weekly basis is just massive. I tell you, I tell you one thing that I think really, um, was a, a kind of a light switch moment for me recently enough was I, I used to have a, a background in, in acting and a, a guy that I, I uh, know was was directing here in, in, in Canada was directing a show and he the, they wanted an Irish accent so he asked me to come in and, and help coach an Irish accent and so we basically we removed because I, I, I've actually developed one pretty well. But we, we removed, for me, I, I took this like a rugby training session. So everything was the same. The teaching skills were exactly the same. But when after I reviewed it, I wasn't reviewing my timing. I wasn't reviewing my, my technical aspect. Uh, I wasn't reviewing the outcome of, the, of, the, uh, of, of how many tries or how many turnovers or anything like that. The one thing that I could review from this was my teaching skills. So how did I check for feedback? Uh, was I clear with my, with my understanding and everything like that? And I think this goes back to that conversation that we had last week about um, actually teaching or coaching and, and how often do you do it and how often do you focus on that learning? But for, for me then, it, a big thing it did for me after that, the, the couple of days that I helped out with it was, all right, well, let's take that one aspect of, of coaching and just review that. So throughout your entire session, just review that. Because I think as coaches and as players, you might go, oh, I missed five tackles, but I made like 10 brilliant passes. And you, you kind of balance yourself. And the, and the other way it will happen as well, oh, I made those 10 great passes, but I also missed those five tackles. And you, you focus on that and you allow yourself to do it. So why don't we, why don't we take out the one, one aspect uh, of that training session and just focus on it? And it came from me removing myself completely from rugby. But, but using the same skills to, to, to deliver something completely different. And, I, and if you look at your day-to-day -day lives, even during COVID, there'll always be those moments where you're coaching, whether it's being a parent, where it's being a big brother, a big sister, whatever it is, the, there'll always be those moments where you're coaching and there's always those moments informally to develop your, your coaching styles. Can, can I just say, I definitely got a picture of you being asked by your friend going, oh, we need an Irish accent. And you'll go like, yeah, great. I'm going to be in a film and this is going to be awesome. And then, oh, no, 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 I need you to just coach, coach, coach the guy to speak with an Irish accent. Nowhere near the stage, there will be nobody seeing you as a person. And of course, so I just get disappointed. Yeah, yeah, you're dead right. I think you missed the point there, Phil. Sorry, no, yeah, yeah, no. I'll listen back. I'll get I'll get the, the proper point. That's all good. I... I often think of it in a way, how would we deal with players if they acted the way coaches do around development? Because lot, I think, and this again, it's a generalization, but lots of coaches want accreditation. They want a qualification. They want a level one or a level two or a level three. If players turned up to all our sessions going, oh, do, do I get a certificate at the end of this? Do, am I qualified now? Like, how, how would we manage that? What would we say to them? 
because I think we, we, we'd spend a lot of our time as coaches espousing that learnings are, you know, it's a longitudinal process and it's, it, it's going to take a long time. And, and actually it's, it's not straightforward. You can't just tick all the boxes and, and do all this type of stuff. But then as coaches, we go away and go, well, I've done my level two. So when, when do I get to do my level three? Is that, that that's how it works. Well, unfortunately, I, I think that that's society at the moment. Like um, if you're applying for a job and it says minimum degree, or minimum three years in, it, it, it's something that you, like here education is treated extremely well, but uh, kids rush off to, to university here because they feel like they need a degree to do anything. So that without actually understanding the desire of it, and I think that that, that actually moves into our coaching, is that you, you think that before you're able to develop any other aspects, you need these minimums. And and I think that that uh, it's, it's a, it's a, definitely a conversation we need to address but unfortunately it's it's kind of what's being created at the moment i think it's there's a really good book i was reading too it's called um leadership by uh, by john maxwell and he talks about you know mind the gap and one part he says uh, lessons learned in school can be outdated before student loans are paid off you know which uh, which is so true because the, the some of the student debt is pretty incredible in this country and then uh, you know and how important is it we continue to develop because within four years we'll have to relearn 30 percent of our jobs you know and i think it's the that that's where the ongoing development is so important you know i'm sure we probably all look back on our coaching now and even look back to where i was two years ago i'm like why was i doing that you know you know but when i was coaching regularly i was probably a better coach back and say 20 2015 2016 that it would be in the 2017 2018 because you weren't spending as much time practicing on it collaborating and talking about it with other people and it says how do you have that that constant that that growth mindset that i'm going to try and grow and get better every single day and it's that you know that compound effect that over time it'll generally get better but we can't just go from zero to 100 right away which is maybe what we what we want to do because we're in a rush to get everywhere you know we're in a rush to get you know and uh you know you, you could we've got a far as I can see there's a lot of old coaches so you know we're relatively young in terms of our coaching years and we've got to you know enjoy the journey that we that we go on and we would become in the process of becoming a better coach. I had a, a brilliant conversation uh, with a sports site called uh, Niels Feddersen and he, we were talking about identity is that was uh, kind of came up in a master's lecture that I hijacked a little bit and it kind of was a sideswipe but then just followed up with him as he tweeted some some research about it and he was saying just ultimately it comes down to a journey of becoming and you never actually become because you're always in a state of trying you know to become something but there is, never is a something ultimately the something is, is death that's the end of the journey which is is slightly morbid but the, but the point about becoming is we're just never the same person and, and I find that that fascinating we, we talk about trying to find ourselves and then try and you know that's a kind of foundation layer of being a coach understanding who I am but actually that's never a finished job so we're always in a state of flux and I'm, I'm just not sure how accepting of that we are as coaches I think uh, go back to your identity piece, Moff. You said, you know, we, we then say, oh, I'm Phil the rugby coach and I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. Well, they're titles effectively. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're kind of portraying this externally and then qualifications become part of that. And I, I, I look at it and it's zero criticism, but it's fascinating how many people on their Twitter handle, I'm a, I'm a level three or I'm a level two or I'm a something, something. And, and I just wonder, yeah, how do we change that to be that they don't, it's not that they shouldn't hold that weight. I think it's great that they the people have them and they, they're proud of them. But how do we make it more around the experience and and something that is less tangible? But I can't I can't put that in 140 characters at the top of my Twitter bio. And I, I'm just wondering what replaces that. Do you know what I mean? Is that is that about a philosophy? Is that about your values or, or whatever it is? I don't know. But I, I wonder do we need to find that before we can change minds and change the argument to become this is about something more than just collecting a badge or, or whatever the kind of the, the I guess the negative element of that is I've been inspired Phil by your music at the start and so I've actually taken up rodeo now so I think my twitter handle or my whatever it is is becoming more about wannabe cowboy <laughs> Love it. Started trying to steer wrestle before my 40th birthday, which doesn't seem like the best idea, but it's something I'm thoroughly enjoying. I love it. Can you do a review of the podcast and, and set that, that we set you off on a path to becoming a, a rodeo? That, that would if, be I'm, if I'm still alive. But yeah, I think, I think you know, too as well, I'll probably talk about him again, but is you know, it's like John, John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership. 
you know, in that base level, you know, number one is just a position and people follow you because of your position, you know, and they basically, because they have to, but it's like, how do you get through to the pinnacle of that, you know, people will follow you based on, you know, who you are and what you represent. And I think that comes with, you know, it comes with maturity, as you said, you know, it's, you never want to be finished, you know, as you said, because that's the, that's the end, but it's, it's always better to be coming than being. And, you know, probably, you know, my coaching career is you probably get a bit stagnant at points. And you, when you become stagnant, you stop developing and you ultimately lead the people that you're coaching because we, we think we know it all or we think that we know certain things. And you know, I think when you when you look back and review, you think, man, I probably shouldn't have been in some of the positions I was in based on what I thought I knew then, you know, versus, you know, what you do now. And so it's like if we're not constantly growing and developing, how are you going to get how are you going to get better? And then how, how um, you know, innovation is a word that gets chucked around a lot. But are you prepared to, to try, you know? certain things you know to try different things look at it from a different lens a different perspective and being comfortable to do it i'm gonna say i've just written down a quote from you there which is probably the best thing i've ever heard you say so it's better to become than be i think that's that's magic mate that's going up on my wall that is that's like plato-esque that's absolutely on on the money i think when it comes to that yeah i probably copied it from somebody else <laughs> sounds like the beatles quick, quick google Go on, Sandro. I said it sounded like the Beatles, the song. We, he only listens to cowboy music, so un, unless they have uh, unless they right. Country version of that, right? I think from, from my <laughs> standpoint, just to add on that, it's really about your pursuit of mastery. And it doesn't matter which pathway you take. It's the, the fire, the intrinsic fire inside of you and, and how you're going to find your mastery because you're never going to find your mastery right as you said phil you're always going to reach a point where you want to just self-discover a little bit more learn about about yourself the game and that is where i think this window over the last eight nine months has accelerated some my learning but i'm pretty sure a lot of people's learning on on different vehicles on on how to educate yourself you don't need to have a master's in coaching or you don't need uh, to go to harvard to have a better understanding of something it's like jack says there's different vehicles to learn and i found that myself now um you know a podcast a collaboration with a friend or a video goes a lot longer long way than than sitting in a classroom for 30 minutes so i think that's that's what i've really taken away from and i feel comfortable saying that in in in, in the pursuit of my mastery I love that. I think that's a that's a perfect place to uh, to round this up. So, um, just run me through. What are you suggesting people go and take a look at, guys? Uh, Jack, we'll come to you first. Any suggestions for where people should be uh, kind of diverting their attention? I can't say Twitter anymore, can I? Um, um, I, I I think to kind of uh, for for me, I think a, a great thing that. I looked at was was removing myself from the sporting world and and going into something that I, I don't know so the business world or or even actually one thing that I had a real interest during COVID was was how the military do things um and uh, just looking at successful military outfits or or looking at successful uh, businesses because um everything that's that that becomes shiny and new is usually just has has been an innovation from the business world or from or from uh, uh, somewhere else that's another sport etc so just going to <clears throat> for me opening my eyes and, and going to see things like that is is, is uh, a real positive thing and then I suppose just the last piece would be um, every time you, you you take that piece putting your own stamp in it or, or as I said the, the makeover earlier and then as Sandra just said talking it out with a buddy um, I think that's been one of the best things about COVID is as soon as I've had an idea I've had probably five or six guys that I could, five or six colleagues, guys or girls, to, to give a call to and say, what do you think of this? And talk through it. And it's probably been the best piece of, of uh, development that I've had in the last, or since I've started. Fantastic. Moff, what about you? Any suggestions for people to uh, go away and look at some content or anything like that? Yeah, I think Jack's, Jack summarised it really well. Is go and find a buddy that you can talk about things with. Um, we find a ton of stuff in uh, from field hockey, um, you know, that's and just looking at other sports. 
Um, we've looked a little bit you know, at England field hockey or Great Britain field hockey. I think we've got some some quality resources. And uh, and then also, I think, too, as well, we'll start to have a look at some some soccer things as well. I think there's so much gold in other sports that other people have done the work. And generally, these sports are a lot more resourced than we are, you know, and the, the rugby landscape's pretty small and not a great infrastructure so i think it's like what can we who's got had more time you know who's had more resources or be able to invest in more resources so i think other sports and then just you know how can it fit or how can it be applied to your context as jack so well so uh you know highlights so well is that you know it's your your coaching your coaching doesn't necessarily matter what activity is your coaching you know because your coaching and your process is going to be is going to be the same and i think you know we're all just coaching people first and activity second um, you know, I was maybe just to wrap up with this. Uh, two years ago, I was in Nashville and met Jen Welter, who uh, you know was like the first NFL coach, uh, female NFL coach, and she spoke and said, you know, if I don't know you, I can't coach you, and if I don't know you, I can't lead you. And it's like, you know, just how much time do we spend trying to get to to know our players? Uh, on a personal level and that that quote's really impacted me massively and how much time am I intentionally trying to connect with people fantastic Sandra what about you last one yeah not much more to add but I think the collaboration is key I think like over the last you know while um, I wear multiple hats as a coach uh, and as an international coach and also as a development coach the big thing for me was how do I connect with my athletes or my my colleagues and how do we collaborate together? You know, what platform we're using, it's either the Zoom or we're using um, a podcast and then being creative. And really that those are the things that I've seen um, from my standpoint go through the roof. And, and if you can continue to have that mindset of like, um, how do you touch base with people and, and really have this vulnerability to share? And, and it's not about being right or wrong, it's about being accurate. And um, those are the things that go a long way for me. And so, um, it's, the key for me is like fight to get some time with people, right? Face-to-face -face time is gold right now. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter if it's virtual. Well, just, just to kind of last one, I, I remember Buddy said to me, um, who's a mental performance coach, and it, it just stuck with me the whole time. And we've all mentioned the word connection. And it was just one thing that stays out the whole time is connection creates confidence. And for me, it's just, it's, it's one thing that just, since we all said it, just keeps, keeps coming into my head the whole time. Superb. Mate. Yeah, no, absolutely spot on. I agree with all of that. I think they're, they're brilliant, pertinent points. So uh, thank you very much, gents. This has been an absolute blast. I've loved this. Um, really great conversation. So thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'm going to round up the roundup. So for our listeners, we hope you find it useful. Thank you to my guests again for their superb insights. Links to all the content discussed are available in the blurb on the Rugby Coach Weekly website. Please subscribe, like, and share. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening. Wish you all the best and go well. Bye.